0: In case it's escaped anyone's attention, we in the UK have a new king. It's a weird thing to have a monarchy. A lot of non-Brits often ask me about it. And the truth is, I've often found that you guys know more than we do, particularly about the history. I couldn't tell you much at all about Queen Victoria. Or, uh, you know, I have a vague recollection of a poem about the beheadings and divorces of Henry VIII um, once beheaded, something, divorced. I couldn't even tell you who the father of the queen was. I'm pretty sure it was either a George or an Edward. I'm going to go with George, but I think there was an Edward between him and the other George. Who's Edward the Confessor? That's just popped into my head. I don't think that was even... There are people I know in a rage listening to this going, how do you not know Edward the Confessor? How do you not know this? I just don't. I'm just, you know... um, One of these Edwards or Georges had a moustache, I think, and one was characterised by Colin Firth in The King's Speech, which was brilliant. What a great film, but I don't remember who he was representing. That said, all of that said, I knew very well who the Queen was. She was, to us, to, to most of the world, the Queen. We didn't even need the Elizabeth II. Her face decorated the coins, stamps, and memorabilia of my youth, our youth, making for a calm and steady symbol, if nothing else. People seemed to like her and I think I did too. I definitely felt a sense of loss with her passing and sadness, emptiness and a kind of brief mourning. Although I don't think that it's right to close down sports games and businesses. I think we should be able to mourn how we choose and people should have the right not to mourn and not to care about these things that don't affect their own lives and to be able to get on with stuff. Uh, Anyway, part of the reason I don't know much about the history of the monarchs is because I'm not a monarchist. It's not necessarily that I have a problem with having a head of state that isn't elected. I quite like that they're at least symbolically supposed to keep politicians in check though I'm uncertain of how exactly that would work should a dictator suddenly take charge. But more importantly, the fact that we vote for a political party rather than a person makes our voting a little less about the cult of personality. And that's partly down to the existence of the monarchy. It means we're less likely to end up with populists like Trump and Bolsonaro or even Biden. You can make a case for any of these people. I suppose it could be argued that Boris Johnson was something of a populist and That was perhaps an extreme case where his popularity with the public was such that it pushed the party to elect him, the Conservative Party that is. There was also a lot of internal politics and things going on which is the downside of our system. Anyway, I digress. The real problem I have with the monarchy is just the idea that in our modern world where pursuits of equality and social mobility are virtues, it doesn't make sense that Someone can be born a prince, born a future king, married to become a prince or princess. Our guest today, Norman Baker, will talk about some of the excesses of the British monarchy, particularly compared to other monarchies around the world. And it's quite startling. It's just insane levels of wealth for their birthrights. Norman is a Liberal Democrat politician and former Minister of State at the Home Office. He's also an expert on the royal family and has several gripes, including complaints he has made about King Charles III to the police. We also talk about the worrying, clamping down on free speech at the funeral and the processes in the morning and the rallies and things uh, after the Queen's death. I would just reaffirm that this is no criticism of the Queen, who I believe, as far as I know, did her job dutifully and to the best of her abilities. Her, she inspired or from people on all sides of the political spectrum, all sides of life. She will be sorely missed. Nor do I have any axe to grind with King Charles III, who seems okay, although he did kick off a storm about his pen leaking. I don't know if anyone saw that, but you know, if you're given all these little things your whole life, then those little things will start to annoy you. Um, I've got episodes coming up with James Altucher about his incredible life. You'll see all about that. And Danny Robbins is one of my next few guests, and he does podcasts for the BBC about paranormal belief. This episode by the way today's one is from my weekly sean atwood or atwood unleashed live stream we're on wednesday nights from 6 p.m till 10 p.m uk time it's which five hours later than um eastern time in the u.s it's a four-hour show so do go check that out sometime on a wednesday night and thank you also i should say to producer ash meekle for organizing all the guests and things but now now you're on the edge of a new monarch with norman baker Norman, how are you doing? I'm Andrew. Fine, thank you very much. Good, good. Has this been a pretty uh, stressful week for you, even even more than for most people?
1: Well, I wouldn't say stressful. I mean, it's been very busy. Uh, lots of calls from different media outlets, uh, mostly alternative media outlets, because uh, the way that the BBC and others report it is, is highly sycophantic and uncritical, which isn't to say we should be unpleasant or anything about the Queen. We shouldn't. But... Um, there are legitimate questions to be raised and then the mature democracy will be to have a sensible conversation and uh, we're not always having that on the mainstream media. I don't use the phrase mainstream media very much, but it happens to apply this week, I think. Yeah, no, I know what you
0: mean. You don't use because you can sound uh, vaguely conspiratorial when you when you say it, but you, you don't usually tend to but I get I get what you're saying. It's very much one line. It's one of the only um, I hope you can still hear me while you're up. Keith.
1: Yeah, I'm just trying to sort out the lights. It's a bit better. Yeah
0: it's one of the one of the really few things that seems to there's just one opinion in a good way, because you don't nobody wants to be having a go at an old lady who's died. But it's it's like everyone's gotten on board with this as as I'm sure we shall as well without being disrespectful. Does this in a sense unite a country?
1: Well, I mean, I think, the, you know, in a way it did, or it does, um, mm. but you know it around a kind of false premise. I mean, everybody's telling us how wonderful the Queen was. Actually, I think the Queen did quite a good job. Uh, mm. I don't want to say she didn't, but, you know, the Queen is fallible like everybody else, and uh, yeah. nobody's perfect. Jimmy. And we haven't heard anything that she's done wrong. It's been a, a succession of, you know, reports of, of uh, perfection, and that's not accurate for anybody. Uh, But the thing that's really disturbed me in the last couple of days has been the reaction of the police to people making protests. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, I
1: happen to think that the guy who shouted out to Andrew, who was walking behind his mother's coffin, uh, Andrew, you're a sick old man. I mean, that was tasteless beyond belief. And the guy should be allowed to walk behind his mother's coffin without being interrupted. But ultimately, it was tasteless, but it wasn't illegal. Um, And we are allowed in this country, in theory, to express views and many people who argue that um you know we don't believe we don't believe sports council culture we want people to be able to offend others um they've got to accept that they can be offended too um so that's part of the deal um so i wouldn't have done what that bloke did i think it was wrong but it wasn't a matter for the police to intervene speaking as a former home office minister crime prevention minister that was not a crime even less mm. of a was um the barrister who was going to pull up a piece of paper with not my king on it which is a perfectly proper comment about democracy not even about the queen actually about democracy and was told he'd be arrested on a public order of so face it might offend some people well you know maybe it would offend some people but that's tough and also what about people who hold up a banner saying i believe in an unelected monarch that will offend some people too but they're not gonna be arrested are they so I think the police have got some questions to answer. And this is becoming a habit because I remember when Xi Jinping, the butcher of Beijing, was in the country, people who were standing quietly, lawfully, had decided they were holding Tibetan flags, were all shoved out of the way by the police. I mean, you know, we, we this is just not this is what happens in Russia and China. It shouldn't be happening over here. So that's why oh, Absolutely
0: absolutely well look you're talking to another free speech advocate but i would also try and be a devil's advocate uh so that we can have some form of debate uh to spruce things up and and i believe one of the people this is actually a funny thing i think one of the people had who got arrested had a swear word. Am I right in remembering this? Someone had a swear word, so people were saying it was it was fuck and it was, uh, that's what it was. You're not supposed to say indecent language. And that got me thinking, well, that seems even stranger to me that there are certain words that can get you, if you say that word, you get taken off the street, you know?
1: Well, I know, and people say, say swear words all the time. Um, as a matter of fact, speaking as someone who used to study languages at university and so on, what's interesting is the change in social acceptability because when i was when i was 18 20 university the words you absolutely couldn't use were anglo-saxon words are parts of the body and functions which you want to with parts of the body he said delicately um but but now the words you can't use are words that which are racist they're the ones which are really taboo and yeah. words which are anglo-saxon words about parts of the body you don't seem to bother people so this has all changed and you know ultimately i have to say that there's not a right or a wrong there's, there's a social norm applied at any one time um and that applies to a whole range of stuff you know in victorian times it was thought to be you know a criminal offense that it was if you were if you were gay until nineteen sixty seven, you were locked up for that um yeah. now you're not nor were you in kind of greek times and roman times so there's not a right or a wrong on these it's simply what appears to be a social norm at any particular time
0: yeah. Well, firstly I'll just say that while you were talking I s- sniffed up some Sudafed and I just mentioned that because I thought no one could see me but Ash's message saying no, you know, naughty stuff while you're uh so it was just some nasal spray which you can see there. Um just just in case anyone got the wrong idea. And yeah, I get what you're, I mean I would almost go as far as to say there there's when you say there's no right or wrong that or the right throughout the centuries over the centuries has always seemed to have been the the least or the the least uh, the least sensorial of the people the people who allowed those things and saw them yeah. as the fashions of the day uh, I think what you say is really I, I wrote an article for unheard I think it was oh no, it wasn't actually I can't remember who it was for now about exactly what you're describing which was the changing of uh, Swear words and sacred words over the years. Yeah. which has changed from religion. So hell and heck to the body No, and fucking I, shit I, and no. identity
1: Call mm. blind me, which was God blind me, which was a terrible thing to say in the kind of 14th century or something. Yeah. You know, that was a that was a terrible thing to say, and now it's that was nothing. Uh, Talking totally looking yeah. at your comments here, Jake saying freedom of speech is not absolute. That's right, it isn't absolute. Uh, it's not absolute if you incite hatred, for example, which you shouldn't be allowed to do. It's not absolute if you in, encourage others to attack somebody else. So there are legitimate limits to freedom of speech, mm. but, you know, saying that we should be a democracy and not have an elected monarch is not imprinting, in my view, those rights. right. And uh, your other guy or woman, I don't know who it is, underneath BBUK, absolutely right. I mean, actually, what happened there was that when somebody, um, I think it was a guy with a, with a, shouting at Andrew, was was um, then restrained or attacked by the crowd. So the offence, if there wasn't an offence being committed there, was not him shouting out, it was a crowd attacking him. So in a sense, it, if the police are going to play absolutely down the line, you should have dealt with a crowd, not with him.
0: It's also, it's an extraordinary thing to do, to, to shout something like that, when, as you say, when someone's following their mother's coffin. Um, and I suppose there are only allegations at this point, aren't they? But what, given what he did, I suppose a lot of us will have little sympathy.
1: Well, I mean, clearly Andrew is um, persona non grata, and, and Andrew deserves most of what he gets. But, you know, even Andrew is entitled to walk behind his mother's coffin without being shouted at, in my view.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there are any limits to that, if there's anybody who you'd say, no, I'm going to shout at them regardless. It's, it was a chance for somebody in the public to say something to him because they wouldn't usually see him. But, yeah, I agree. It's not really on to be shouting anything at a, like a funeral like that. It's not really on, is it? Oh, I don't know. Tell me your thoughts on on her passing aside from that. I mean, she was 96 years old. What What happens now? what what's what's going on
1: well what happens now is it's been choreographed for years and it's all been mapped out as to what Prince Charles or King Charles was going to do as and when the Queen died uh, and that's now being followed through Uh, it's it's being followed through to allow genuine expression of sympathy for the Queen but it's also a way so they'll never admit they'll never say this but it's surreptitiously a way of trying to shore up support for the monarchy because this is a dangerous point for the monarchy because what's happened in recent years has largely been driven by the Queen. The popularity of the monarchy has been held together by the Queen, uh, not by the monarchy per se. And if you look at what Charles has been doing, by the way, just just to remind your listeners and viewers, is still subject to a live criminal investigation by the Metropolitan Police as a consequence of my complaint. Um, He is embroiled in that complaint for the allegation that uh, uh, honours were sold in return well, in return for money for his good causes. Contrary to the terms of the Honours Brackett's um, uh, Offences Act, or what it was called now, uh, in 1925. That was a matter I reported to the Metropolitan Police. It was clear, in my view, when primary the evidence an offence had been committed, the police looked at it, and they came back and said, yes, we're investigating it. It's a criminal matter. And I asked them a month ago, actually, where we were with it and they confirmed they were still investigating it's a live case. So this is the mm-hmm. first example I think we have where a monarch is embroiled in a criminal investigation for metropolitan police. So Charles comes to the throne with baggage. So this week has been about, not just about um, respecting the queen, but it's also been about assuring up support for the monarchy because support for the monarchy is not the same as support for the queen, it really isn't. Uh, and if Charles thinks it is, he's mistaken badly. So he has come to the throne with a lot of baggage. She didn't. I mean, she was quite young. It was pre-social media days, pre-television almost. Nobody knew who she was when she came to the throne. She was an unknown quantity. And therefore, it was was possible for her, she did it quite well, possible for her to maintain this image of complete neutrality, as far as the public's concerned, for her reign. Charles comes with a whole lot of baggage. We know he's in favour of homeopathy. We know he's in favour of fox hunting. Uh, We know he's in favour of not cutting defence spending. You know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. His views on architecture are well known, as is his views on climate change, uh, which he undermines, by the way, of course, by flying in private jets everywhere in helicopters. But so he comes with baggage, and he also comes, of course, with the baggage in a more tabloid sense, uh, which people haven't forgotten about, which is uh, where he treated Diana, and that's not that's still in the public memory. So he's got a job to do to um, to make sure that he is successful in the public's mind as a monarch. So I, in my view, he won't take advice from me. though you ought to, because the advice I'm going to give now is actually in his interest. He needs to reform the monarchy quite soon and quite drastically to make it fit for the 21st century. If he doesn't, yeah. he's running into trouble. <laughs>
0: Couple of things here. Ray J says, "Don't you think that case, your case against him, will disappear now?" Though, which I was going to say to you, don't hold your breath. <laughs> it's the king. It's just not going to happen, is it? It will just that will Well, uh, yeah, you
1: know, the law is the law, and uh, uh, what what might happen is that, um, uh, of course, Charles Canoe's king cannot be prosecuted uh, personally. He could have been as Prince of Wales. He can't be now because all cases in the legal system are taken by the king. Or the queen as it was is they're all regina versus something or other that's what the cases are um and therefore the monarch is literally above the law this is a nonsense by the way it doesn't apply in other countries we saw for example the king of spain subject to allegations about um, embezzlement and so on nobody the, the king cannot be prosecuted in this country because the law is held by the king so when the queen was found not to be driving with a seat belt on she, she couldn't be prosecuted for it uh, she wow. was from that. What can happen, of course, is that um, Charles's flunky, Michael Fawcett, who actually wrote the letter, could be prosecuted. And Michael Fawcett tends to act as Charles's right hand man. He's already had to resign twice, or is it three times? Um, and then when no one's looking, he's brought back in by the back door. That's what happens. Um, so he may yet again take, fall on his sword. But judging on past experience, it's one of those trick swords you find on the stage. Where the blade disappears into the handle, and he's actually all right and he carries on afterwards.
0: My word. Yeah, well, I'd almost rather nothing happened then because he's gotten away with it. I can't believe that they can't be prosecuted for anything. That's insane. No. And I, I guess but Andrew so, this, must is, be it, thinking... this is
1: the medieval imperial monarchy we still have, unlike every is... other monarchy in Europe.
0: It does seem insane. And yeah, I mean, Prince Andrew would be wishing. That he could somehow take the throne because he could get away with a lot more stuff. Then I mean that would be insane. What if he was the king? Then he could just get go around doing whatever he wants.
1: Yes, I mean the king. The king can do what he wants. So the king. The king can, could murder someone tomorrow and he couldn't be prosecuted for it. You could murder someone in cold blood in Whitehall and not be prosecuted for it. <sighs>
0: I can't believe that. Jake says that kings called Charles have an unfortunate history because one of them was in a tree. Was it hiding in a tree? And then it was a monarchy (laughs) in the Civil War. What was that?
1: Uh, Well, I'm not quite sure about the tree, but I think that's right from vague memory. But Charles I was tried uh, in Westminster Hall, by the way, where the Queen's now lying in state. Charles I was tried there in 1649 and subsequently executed. And then we had the period of republic with Oliver Cromwell until the Restoration in 1660 so and charles ii wasn't exactly a great success either so we've had two Charleses uh who have not been a great success and i did, I did actually find it quite surprising that the queen called her child charles given the history of the name and and the royal connection to it but anyway he is called that it was also why i thought that charles might have uh, chosen the name George seventh there's no requirement for the king to be known by his first name uh the first thing that happens when the monarch dies, as they say to the heir, how do you want to be known? And they asked Elizabeth this in 1952, and she said, well, Elizabeth, of course, that was her reaction, normal reaction, you might think. Um, however, you go back to uh, the previous ones, George VI was not George, uh, Edward VIII was not Edward, George V was not George, uh, Victoria yes. was not Victoria. You know, they all they all took middle names or, or whatever to to for their own particular reasons. So Elizabeth's the only one that's actually used her first name. So we thought that Charles might go to George VII. But he, because he mentioned that in sort of passing about 2005 that mm-hmm. that was on his mind. And we thought that I thought that might happen. Uh, interestingly, when Liz Truss came out and made her statement on the st- steps of Downing Street immediately after the Queen died, she then was the first person to say Charles III. Now, had it been any other prime minister at any other time, I would have assumed automatically that had been properly cleared by the palace, but there's just a nagging doubt in my mind that she was just there for a day or so beforehand. She was making the speech up on her own behalf, and I kind of wonder whether she almost bounced him into that into that uh, title.
0: A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that private. What's changed? Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. my word. It's it's all so weird. There's so much I don't know. I'm pleased you know about it. Obviously, it's your... (laughs) Your your thing, isn't it? You know, you know, otherwise why why would we be talking about it, I suppose? Um I've got a question from Jake Forder. Norman, what could a reformed monarchy look like?
1: It could look like one you find the model is to be found in Spain or or in or in not so much Spain, that's a bit corrupt at the moment, but in the Benelux countries or the Scandinavian countries, it's one where in Norway, for example, the King of Norway has to take an oath to the constitution to uphold democracy before he can take his throne. In this country, we take an oath to the elected. They, in Norway, they take an oath to the elected. Seems to be a much better way around. If you look at the cost of the monarchy, uh, our monarchy costs, well, I'll come back to ours at a moment. The Swedish monarchy costs 5 million pounds a year. The the uh, Belgian monarchy costs 10 million pounds a year. Ours cost uh, 83 million pounds last year, plus, Two hundred million pounds for security, plus all the tax exemptions they have, such as inheritance tax. There'll be no inheritance tax paid on the Queen's private private possessions, hands of Charles, no inheritance tax paid on that at all. Uh, plus the exemption from tax, corporation tax for the Duchy of Cornwall, and so it goes on. You know, we have, we pay an absolute fortune for our monarchy in this country compared to other countries. So a reformed monarchy gets rid of the excess number of people in the balcony. I'm going to fl- flash my book here. 44 of them on the balcony there. Who are these people, why are we paying for them? 44 of them on the balcony, gets that cut down. It gets the finances in some sort of order. So we eliminate all the special treatment, all the special tax exemptions, and we pay a lot less uh, than the 83 million pound we're paying at the moment. Plus what we do then is to make sure that the people who do royal duties are, as they are in other countries, the king, the heir to the throne, and his or her children. And that's it. And the rest of them all go out and get jobs. And we also changed all of other stuff too. We changed the formality, the the kind of stage statuesque type formality we have still got here. Do you know? I was speaking to I went to I went to an event in Stockholm when I was a minister. I forgot what the event was now, and I got chatting to this woman in the corner on this reception. And there was about five or ten minutes from the conversation that I found out she was a Swedish princess. Now you can't imagine that kind of informality with the British royal family. You know, what everybody does here, they all line up. And, you know, the, the king or queen goes in front of them like some sort of generation game.
0: But the fans or the, the, the people appear to love them. So, you know, give the people well, what the
1: they people, want. Well, the pe- some people do love them. I mean, and, and they don't necessarily love Andrew. They don't necessarily love Harry and Meghan. They don't necessarily no. love Charles. You know, they love the queen, I think, most people and they like the idea of you know gold coaches coming down the road and all that kind of stuff. Well, we can still have that if you want gold coaches coming down the road. That's okay. Um, at any one time, there's between about 20% and 40% of people who are Republican in this country, particularly young people who is majority. Mm. So um, you know, we don't hear those people. You listen to the BBC coverage this last week. You've not heard, I suggest to you, any voice, not simply a Republican voice, but not even a voice criticizing the royal family. I've just been on Times Radio tonight, doing a piece on royal finances. Um, I think I'm the first person to well, good good for them. They had me on, the first person to say anything at all critical of the royal family this week. And we've had, we've had maybe a barrage of the, stuff which is so positive.
0: Maybe they think it's not the time after a death. Although I suppose you could also argue it's exactly the time.
1: Well, I mean, it's not the time to criticize the queen um, sure. and to and to in any way find fault with her. I think, and that would be dis- disrespectful, and I haven't done that. But you know, they're asking. They're now beginning to ask, what's the what's the next reign looking like? How is Charles going to behave as king? Those conversations are now happening on the media a bit. The difference is that most people, because of this week, are being hugely supportive and totally uncritical of Charles, and that's not the appropriate course. Apart from anything else, we're in a democracy. Why don't we have a proper debate about these things?
0: Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. I think we do need to be able to talk about these things without all the... the, People assume you're thinking other things or bad things about the Queen or whatever it it might be. I would say about Charles as King, there is that thing that sort of happens when somebody takes on a new position or whatever. You do start to see them differently because he was the butt of the joke for decades. The joke being, you know, Mama, will you abdicate or whatever? Uh, You know, and she's never going to and she'll outlive him. And that was sort of the, the joke. But now he looks for quite regal and he's got a, a you know he's the king he's literally the king which is mad uh that anyone is a king but do you know what i mean i think i wonder if the public reaction to him might 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 change a little bit
1: well it might do i mean of course he looks regal he's got he's got everything round him he says <laughs> i am that i am the king that's everything around yeah. him. all the people around him, uh you know yeah. reinforcing that view of course it does well, we have to, but you know, we we'll have to find out whether he plays it properly or whether he doesn't. I mean, one of the things people have picked up on, and I was there, by the way, Andrew, because I'm a privy councillor, uh, was at the his declaration, and his declaration was um, actually the comments he made, the speech he made was fine, I thought, and quite well judged. But you know, when he wanted to get his pen out, he got some flunky to move the inkwell about six inches, and it's just that kind of thing, just. You know, what century is he in? You know, that was a terrible bit of PR. It's outrageous.
0: Especially, and that's when he knows the world's cameras are on him. What's he like
1: when they're not? Yeah.
0: But they, I'd be so embarrassed to behave like that, although that is what you expect from a king. This I think we discussed this before. It, they are in a tricky position because they want to continue existing and to have the popularity and the support of the people, which I think they have to have You know, for, if it goes on yes. long enough that they don't have it. Um, and part of what they're doing is pandering, I think Meghan and, and Harry in particular, but a lot of the talk, pandering to a certain kind of young progressive person. I, I dare say quite woke, some of that stuff. Um, the problem is if they go too far that way, well, if you're quite woke and sort of wanting equality and equity and you're really into that stuff, then you're not going to support a monarchy. So it's almost like they're making themselves irrelevant by trying to pander to that.
1: Well, I suppose that's an interesting thought, actually, that they destroy their own base. There was a debate in 1969 when the Queen and the royal family decided to, to create this film Royal Family which had not been seen in the BBC very much. I, don't, I think the royal family doesn't want it seen anymore. I don't quite know. But anyway, this no. film was designed to make the royal family seem more accessible, which it did, except it also made them seem more human, and therefore the mystique had gone. Right. So you know, the royal family does best in a way when it, it is seen to be something distant and mystical yes. and that kind of thing. But equally, if it's seen as mystical, they're not touched with normal people. So it's a difficult balancing act for them to try and, Square that circle, if you like, to to do that.
0: But the exactly, it's exactly you know, the same thing, isn't it? You're you're right. It's the same thing of they're pandering, you know, to be popular and to say like, hey, we're just like you guys. But then, if you're just like us, then why are we? What what are you're nothing? Yeah. You're just us, then, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> There's a tricky position they're in. I think it's just because I think they must know they're in an outdated system, as you say. They're costing a lot more money than than similar monarchies around the world. I mean, is it good to have a monarchy as well? I remember seeing uh, Stephen Fry made a video about, you know, the, the countries with monarchies tend to be happier. There's some sort of statistic about that. And also, I guess that leads us to having a prime minister rather than a president, which you could say is less of a cult well, of a person.
1: Yeah, are you know? two separate issues, Andrew. I mean, first of all, I absolutely agree there should, be def- there should be a split between the ceremonial head of a country and the political head. It doesn't work, in my view, in America very well for that. It doesn't work in France. I actually think Macron's is quite good, but... It doesn't work when when you've got to do the formal stuff and the political stuff. It should be a separate role. Should it be a monarchy? Well, I mean, it can be, or it can be without one. I mean, Mary Robinson in Ireland was a brilliant president, for example. So we don't have to have a monarchy. We start from where we are. Uh, We've got a monarchy now. And, you know, I can live with it if it becomes reformed, if it becomes a 21st century monarchy, then I can live with that. But we're miles from that. We're absolutely miles from that at the moment
0: yeah it's it's it is all a bit off uh got a question just i will get to matthew steeples but i want to save the the sort of the dodgy stuff for the end uh ray j is asking harry and andrew have been stripped of their military patronages correct oh. is that why neither wore uniforms today and didn't salute at the cenotaph
1: uh, yes I, I think so um and harry and megan let me be quite clear if they want to leave the royal family they should be entitled to leave the royal family it's not a prison. Mm-hmm. They can walk away from it. That should be anyone's entitlement. Uh, it's not a life sentence. Um, however, you're either in or you're out. And what you can't do is uh, is abandon all your responsibilities and and the, the, the stuff that goes with being member of or family and keep all your HRH titles and all your planes and your private houses and all that supplied by the taxpayer. You're either in or you're out. And at the moment, they're straddling. It's still got Frogmore Cottage, by the way, which we're paying for. And they've still got security around stronghold cottage 24 hours a day which we're paying for even though they're in america they still get if they're coming back here on on uh, royal duties like this class as royal duty you get the transport paid so you know I, you know I don't, i'm happy for them to go and do something different they want to do that but you know you have got to leave the whole family if you're going to do that you can't be halfway across you know one in half one leg in one leg out
0: yeah, Or you can, but then you're going to get criticized. And I don't think yeah. they
1: like that. I
0: mean, and that's what's happening at the moment. And I listened to her first podcast episode and it, it wound me up. And I don't, you know, I, I, I'd I like to think of myself as a free thinker. I know pe- everyone thinks of themselves that way, but, you know, everyone was jumping on the hating Megan bandwagon and I wanted to be like, oh, come on, you're wasting your breath. But The more I thought about it, the more I looked into it, it really winds me up because she talks the whole way through her, her podcast the whole time about how she's ambitious and people hate her because of her ambition, but she never states what that ambition is. Now we know it's you married a prince, but she also Mm. says she's a feminist. Now I'm not going to tell people I'm a man. I don't want to tell people what feminism is, but I don't think that's the ideal. She's going to, you know, she's not trying to say people should try and marry a prince. She was holding herself up on the same level as Serena Williams in that podcast. One of the most incredible people on the planet, Serena Williams, who's worked incredibly hard. She married a prince now. Okay. Married, nothing wrong with that, but I feel the same way as you. Well, if you're going to do that and you call that your ambition, then do the job, do the work. Because you, if yeah. you're not going to do it, don't take all the money and all the success. Because her podcast, and I am bitter about this, her, her first episode got more listens than probably all of my episodes together, c- times 100, you know? And that's because she married a prince. And she's, that's one well, of the... Well, I know, marriage. I know. But don't feel too bad, Andrew. I mean, I, I, I've, I've,
1: I've, I've, got, I've got three music shows a week I do on my local FM station. And one of them is called The Hidden Sixties. And I played some fantastic music from the 1960s that wasn't a hit. And look at some of the stuff, which is crap. You think well why did I get there and something else I didn't that's just the way life is I'm afraid then Megan of course also compared herself sort of compared herself to Nelson Mandela yes which was kind of very crass really I mean there's no comparison whatsoever and that was just you know, leaving herself open to ridicule to be honest with you
0: yeah and he just seems a bit of um can I say this just seems a bit of a dope it doesn't seem well, like he's, he's, he's I mean
1: there's a very old phrase which is a bit sexist but she's wearing the trousers as the old phrase that comes to mind. Well, you know, she, she's running the relationship, not him.
0: Yeah, well, no, it's it does seem to be the case. And again, like I think you'd agree like all, all of that's fine. But if you're going to marry into the family, if you're going to take all the money, you're going to moan all the time that you don't have security and that people are not, you know, and you're going to play off of the fame you got from marrying. And people, I've said this before, and people start commenting going, no, she was, in, she was a very famous actress before. And it's like, come on, I don't know any of the names of the other people from that Suits program. I never even watched it.
1: No. No, I don't know either. Look, I mean, Harry's done some good stuff. Um, He's uh, the Victor's Games and all that. I think it's very laudable. Mm. She's done some good stuff. I mean, she got some advert changed when it was um, showing women washing right. up or something. I don't remember the exact advert. When
0: she was a child. She's
1: so done good stuff. I, and, and they are more progressive in some ways. I mean, they, again, like Charles, they undermine themselves by using private jets all the time to lecture about climate change and having huge cars in, in, in their own backyard. It doesn't help that very much. They're probably the top one percent of polluters in the world as a consequence of their lifestyle. So they're hardly in the position to lecture. So they, they've got a blind spot about that, same as same as Charles has actually, about behaving in that way. But you know, uh, let let them get on with it. But they've got to just be, be aware that uh, they are going to be criticised for for that sort of thing, and they leave, leave themselves open to it. Yeah. Why well, out... sorry the other yeah. thing I was gonna say was that, I don't understand why Andrew goes on um, why um Harry goes on about security in this country feeling unsafe. I mean to be honest with you, if you actually feel unsafe, I have to feel unsafe in the US where you know gun crime is, is out of control and people are shot every day over there. That's you know, that's well that's where that's where you're gonna get shot, not in the UK. So why Harry worries about being over here, not over there, I just don't understand.
0: Hmm. Well, yeah, I get. Well, wouldn't he isn't he just worried in both places or he's more concerned about? Being no, he's more concerned people? about
1: over here. I don't know, I don't
0: know why. I wonder what that's about. I... I don't know if I was going to say we we're out of time, but I've, I've got to ask a question for Matthew Steeples because he's asked it about 58 times, which uh, do you think Megan was drunk on her or drugged up on her walkabout? Do you know what that's referring referring to?
1: Uh, not particularly, but I mean, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's highly unlikely. It's, it's much more likely she was feeling deeply uncomfortable about the situation she was in. That's, I'm sure. that's probably the explanation I'm sure. for it.
0: And I I do want to backtrack a little bit on having to go too much about Megan because she's a person, she's a human being, and she's she. Pro- you're right, she has done some good, she's she's done some good stuff, and and she are, probably wants to change the world, you know, as we all do, but I just get wound up sometimes. All right, well, thank you for coming on again, Norman. Where do you want to send people?
1: Where do I want to send them? Well, Where I'll I want send the Prime <laughs> Minister to uh, Pitcairn Island. Is that is that what you sort of thing you mean? <laughs>
0: That's exactly what I mean. No, well, you know, where, well, for example, where can they see
1: you hear your 60s music show? Oh well, that's yeah. I mean, I, 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 music is music is so important to me. We never talk about music, but music is so important to me. Uh, music makes a black and white world color. I spent a lot of time in my life on music. Uh, I, I, one of my previous incarnations, if you like, was to uh, run 26 music shops when people had music shops in those days, um, back in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, I just, I got massive record collection, uh, LPs. I'm talking about singles rather than anything else. Cause that's how you should play music. You play on vinyl, please. You're not on CDs or pop or anything else or downloads. You play it on vinyl. And, um, yeah, my radio shows, I've got three, uh, on Sundays I do an hour called, um, pick up the seventies, which is just kind of straight seventies stuff. I've got an hour called ain't nothing but the blues, which speaks for itself. And on Mondays I do hidden sixties. Which is um, obscure stuff from the 1960s, like B-sides and EP tracks and stuff, which is just I think it's great, and it's all on Sea Haven FM, which is my local FM station. So I love doing that. Mm. Is that your own station? Well, it's not my station. It's my local station. Mm. It's not my station. Okay. But, um, oh, well, yeah, lovely. So that's that's what I do. And of course, I should say that if we're talking about music, I have released three albums, um, two with my band, the Reform Club, and uh, one solo album as well. Uh, oh, uh, as that. a singer songwriter, so yeah, oh. um, check it out on YouTube. The Reform Yeah, how
0: Club. do we do that? What's it, we just
1: type in the Reform Club, and uh, you'll get something about the Reform Club in London, the building. And if you can bear that, you'll get something about my band. And uh, but we've got about half a dozen videos up there.
0: Okay, I'm checking. So, and of
1: course, the other thing to say, of course, for those who are interested in that, just quick plug for my book, as always. And what do you do? What well, the royal family don't want you to know it's
0: a a big book and what do you do get hold of that book uh alt steeples is kicking off i only asked each question once actually but the hair flicking was clearly very curious Meghan markle was a disgrace whereas the new princess of wales was dignified thank you matthew he's livid he's sitting there with a glass of whiskey angry about megan um but yeah thank you norman have a lovely day people check out his music get his book and uh good night everyone Thank you, Norman Baker, for coming on. Well, first coming on Sean Atwood's Atwood Unleashed with me, and now, you know, having this out on on The Edge with Andrew Gold. I've spoken to Norman quite a few times now, and he's a really knowledgeable fella, really interesting guy. He's passionate about his music and stuff, obviously. Go do check that out and... Well, do go. Don't go do. Do go check that out and uh, get hold of some of his writing. Thanks to all of you who have been signing up on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Gold. Every few months, a few people seem to leave it and then a few join and it just about keeps me going. Thanks to my newest patrons, Danny Van Hecker, who is on the top showrunner category. So we'll be coming to my occasional Zoom meetings. I do those, it was supposed to be once a month, but it's once every few months now we get together and have a chat about the latest episodes. Then there's uh, Annie and Anka, Chris C, Rachel B. Thank you all of you for helping to keep me afloat, being patrons and all of that stuff. Please also review this podcast. As I've been saying lately, even though I have more American listeners now than British, the Brits have left reviews at a ratio of almost three to one. It's 320 to about 120 at the time of speaking. Uh, So Americans got to step up, up their game or something. That's said, they have actually started writing since I've started complaining. So I've started to get a few more American reviews. So thank you for that. And here are some of them. I got from uh, an author called Concerned Seller. (laughs) Interesting show, five stars in the US, interesting guests, and I appreciate Andrew's curiosity-based approach to interviews. That's what they said. And then also in America, five stars from an author called 450, uh, a well-rounded queue of guests. Andrew has a very well-rounded queue of guests on his show and is always willing to listen to everyone he has on. Keep up the good work. Definitely worth listening to. And I know, by the way, the accent, I haven't done it in a while and people have said they've missed it, like doing different accents and things. I know I'm bad at them. That's the fun, really. If I was actually good at them, Maybe I wouldn't do them because it would be a bit show-offy, wouldn't it? They're very bad. Uh, also in America, SMG1968 gave five stars and wrote fabulous. I love this podcast. <laughs> it's so bad. I love this podcast. Andrew is a friendly, relaxed style and asks guests all the right questions. I've enjoyed all the episodes I've heard. Keep up the great work. We're listening. That reminds me of Fraser Crane, one of my favorite uh, sitcom people who used to say, I'm listening. I'm listening. Yeah, something like that. Thank you very much for that lovely review. And, oh, not finally, actually. Penultimately, Katie Isham, 97, gave five stars, also in the United States, and wrote interesting people, fantastic interviews. Andrew is a great interviewer. This podcast is wonderful. Thank you for giving people a platform to tell their stories. And now, finally, Golden Moth, 30. Uh, wrote in again in the us five stars long overdue five star review. I've been listening to this podcast for months and have been meaning to leave a five-star review for some time. Andrew does an excellent job choosing compelling guests and his laid-back demeanor is refreshing and makes for interesting conversations. At the end of each episode, I always find myself wishing the chat lasted a little longer. However, if you're reading this, Andrew, I would like to set the record straight regarding a semi-recent guest. I recently listened to an episode with Brett Johnson, who mentioned Alabama's weather being hot and racist. As alabamian as an alabamian in his mid-20s i want to assure you that not everyone here is racist and the stereotypes are greatly exaggerated the state has more flaws than most others but there are plenty of good people to be found including at least one on the edge fan no hard feelings though you redeemed it with your excellent impression of a southern accent i do declare that bits me saying that bit um I remember him saying that. So that episode, the funny thing about that episode is I put out a little clip of that on YouTube. Because on YouTube, I do the normal videos and stuff. But you can also do this thing called YouTube Shorts. And you put out like a 30-second or a one-minute clip and hopefully get a few hundred views or whatever. And for some reason, the clip of him talking about having a family crime empire it just went completely viral and got 1.5 million views and brought in a lot of new subscribers. However, I do remember when I asked him how how, it's, how you're doing or whatever, he said the weather was hot and racist. I remember him saying that and I remember cringing a little bit because I thought, oh God, I don't want that, that. I mean, he's obviously just joking and it's a self-deprecating joke, but uh, I wouldn't want to classify an entire state of people, particularly because the joke's always about Alabama and a few of those states around that kind of geographical part of America. So uh, thank you for the lovely, lovely review, Golden Moth and all you other Americans. And I want you to know that I love you all. And don't prejudge any of you for where you're from or where you live and all that stuff. I'd love to visit Alabama one day. Thank you all for listening. It's been quite a long one because I've done all the reviews. Well, there's still more to come in the next one. I've split them. There's been quite a few recently. Please do keep on reviewing, though, because we're still trailing big, big time in America. And if you're British, keep, keep that proud record up, please. Uh, and if you're from other countries, there's loads of you from loads of other countries as well. So, yeah, please keep on listening. Thank you for being there, and I'll see you soon.